Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Being on the sidelines for the first George game of the season as they attempt to do something that hasn't been done in 100 years would be the lead story with my next guest as we welcome in Allison Mastrangelo on the WadeFord.com hotline, WSB-TV. But you'd be wrong. The lead story is actually that she got to pick the best taco in Atlanta and do so on Good Morning Freaking America. Allison, how about that? Oh, my gosh. It was so good, but it was so, like, so much pressure because both of them were so good. I mean, everyone should go visit both of them, slapping tacos and hand-cooked tacos. They were so good, but it was so fun. And it's never, I mean, we were up there at 7 o'clock eating tacos. It's never too early to have tacos. So it was so much fun at the top of Pond City Market. So we're going to uh, talk to you now while we have you because it feels like at this point you could be on the national circuit in the blink of an eye. So we're going we're gonna to embrace <laughs> these moments while we have them, Allison. Uh, Don't forget right. the little people. Please. Don't forget yeah, us little never. people. <laughs> All right, so you are doing something that is actually really awesome. So do us a favor. Just set the scene now. We're an hour away from kickoff. What's the vibe at the stadium like? How are the fans? What's going on? Well, first of all, I mean, it is very warm. I will tell you that on the sidelines. It's very, very hot. Uh, and honestly, like, I, I know it's the season opener. I wasn't expecting as many fans, as, I mean, as there are here. Obviously, there's two times defending champs. Um, but they're playing UT Martin, right? And everyone's like, ah, UT Martin. No, like, they are here in, like, droves. Like, you would think they were playing, like, number one Tennessee last year. Like, it, it's just, like, that atmosphere right now. I'm expecting a great crowd uh, tonight when the ball takes a six. So, in terms of doing something historic, from what you've seen, the people you've talked to, just your general sense of the UG football program, do you think there's a weight and expectation for them to do this? Or is it just, ho-hum, this is the start of another season, we're not thinking about that? I mean, I think it's a mix of both, right? Of course, you're always going to have, like, it kind of looming over you that you have the chance to make history this year. But Kirby Smart is really good at letting his guys know that, like, this year's team hasn't won anything. So, like, they can't even, like, kind of act like that they have two national champs, like titles. This team is trying to win their first as the 2023 team. So, yeah, the expectation is high. But I, there, with that expectation, I think, comes confidence, too, because you're also the two-time defending national champs which is still crazy that they're on SEC Network Plus, um, but they are taking on UT Martin. Um, but, yeah, I, I, think, I think the path is pretty easy to get to that third national championship, um, but you wouldn't know it from the guys when you're talking to them because everybody they're playing is obviously, like, one of the best. And they, of course, said all the nice things and the correct things to say about UT Martin, who are the Skyhawks. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think they're feeling that pressure. If anything, maybe this is a little bit like a preseason game today. Oh, for sure. One guy who might be feeling a little bit of pressure is Carson Beck, who gets to take over the reins as QB1. What have you sensed from the program around him and their confidence? Yeah, I mean, the confidence with him is high. I mean, he's gotten he, he's been here for a while. He's gotten to study um, af, uh, behind Seth and Bennett. You know, the big thing we all keep talking about, we haven't seen them in games where they've been tight. They've normally been up like 20 or 30 points. But what a game to like kind of make your debut as starter, right? You're, you're going into a game that you are highly favorited. Um, you know, I'd like to say I expect a big game from Carson. I know the run game is very big for them as well, but I expect, I don't know, maybe like Shador Sanders numbers. <laughs> you know, he's just through the 500 yards <laughs> and four TDs, you know, maybe. But then again, knowing Kirby, if they're up by a lot, we might not see him play much of the second half at all. So then those numbers would be skewed. So um, I, I think, yeah, the pressure is on. But I think the, the great part about being, you know, Georgia and you're not rushing any of these quarterbacks, like their season They've been here. I think, if anything, he's just, like, ready to go out there and rip and show everyone, like, what he's been doing these past couple of years. Talking all things UGA football with our friend Allison Mastrangelo, WSB-TV. She is live at the scene, reporting, coming to you live. All right, one thing, <laughs> one thing that you mentioned there is the running backs. They've had a couple yeah. injuries in the running back room. Do you think there's any concern there, or should the depth be able to cover? Yeah, I think the depth is totally fine there. I'm not concerned about it at all. Um, you know, even Brock kind of joked that, like, he could step in and help be running back if they need it. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, the awful to have injuries, of course, before the season. But when it comes to the weapons that they have at tight end and wide receiver and even just the offensive line, I'm not concerned at all about, about the running back. Yeah, you mentioned Brock Bowers there, obviously one of the more special talents in UGA history. And we have a guy here on our, of our own, Randy McMichael, who knows a thing or two about playing tight end at the University of Georgia. Do you think when it's all said and done, Allison, we're talking about Brock Bowers is the greatest to ever do it at his position at UGA? Wow. I mean, like, I guess this year, yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say so. I mean, if he stays on pace and what he's been doing the past couple of years, yeah, I think so. Um, but with that also comes like the next guy who knows that that could be Oscar Delp in a couple of years or, or whatnot. But yeah, I'd say for this year, he's a Mackey award winner. So you, you have to feel confident in him that he's only going to continue to get better and then and, and be another top draft pick for them, just like Darnell was. And Darnell was a beast of a player too. All right. So I'm going to clip that, play it for Randy and uh, I'll let you know what he says uh, next <laughs> week. How about that? No. Listen, I didn't see Randy play a lot. So <laughs> no, it's, it's obviously, it's obviously all good. Uh, Allison Mistrangelo with us from WSB TV. So w this is my only concern, Allison, and let me know if you agree or not. When you have the way that the schedule opens up for the Bulldogs with a couple of cupcakes, it wasn't supposed to be that way. We know everything that happened with Oklahoma and the conference realignment and they're off the board because they're coming to the SEC. The pressure is on, in my opinion, for this one reason and one reason alone. There is no margin for error for this team. I think if they lose one game, they're potentially out of the mix because of the way that their schedule shaped up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair because, yeah, you look at it. But, I mean, if you go if you go off of what Kirby and them say, it's never easy to play in the SEC or win in the SEC. Um, and that Ball State game, like, yes, they were supposed to be playing Oklahoma. So, I don't know if you can give them too much of a hard time for that game because they were just trying to find a sub in there. I mean, is that totally their fault? I don't know. Um, about that one. I mean, but if you want to talk about pressure, I think their third straight national championship, I think pressure's on to get it this year because when you look at their schedule next year, I mean, it's pretty loaded and stacked up. So I think the pressure's on for sure that you want to get that championship this year. Not that you can't get it again next year, but 
this year would definitely look like that path is a little bit easier. Yeah, you mentioned all the changes that are going to be happening in 2024. How do you feel about those changes? Are you somebody that's a college football purist, or are you loving all the different angles and action that we're going to get teams playing other teams that they never would have really played before? You know, I like go back and forth on it. I think it is cool that you see other teams that you're playing, but I still think it should be somewhat like regionalized because when you look at it and you're looking about like, you know, I think was it Stanford looking to join um, the ACC. I mean, when you start looking at like other college teams and programs, they're going to have to make that travel. That's a lot, you know. So I, while I do like it on some ends, I think it's kind of the wild, wild west right now. <laughs> like everyone's like jumping off and just trying to, to grab on to, to what like conference that they can be in right now. Um, but I'm, I'm not against it. I just think there's got to be some type of like <laughs> regulating and kind of preventing from like an overload to have like 16 in one conference and only like four right now in another. Yeah. It's Stanford uh, taking on Boston college in a great yeah. ACC matchup. I don't, I don't yeah. really know how that one's going to work. And it is the Atlantic conference if i'm not mistaken right. which i do believe is uh, the complete opposite side of the country three thousand miles right. away but you know listen it is what it is changing times all right a couple more about this game and then i have a very serious question for you to end <laughs> this interview here because i need i need your help on something okay so if i said to you that the georgia bulldogs are going to win by Four touchdowns. Are you taking the over or are you taking the under on that? Because I, I couldn't find a line on this game to save my life. I'm taking the over. I think I am, too. I think I am, too. Yeah. I, I think they're just going to have to come out and roll. It's so hard, but I'm going over. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we saw it, and we actually saw it last year in a couple of games, Allison, where the offense, it's not that they were lethargic. It's just you didn't have that sense of urgency when they were playing yeah. some of the lesser opponents. And I'm not necessarily worried about that for this game, and this is my reasoning why, because this is a different unit. There's been a lot of turnover this year. These are not some of the same guys that have won a ring or maybe even two with this franchise. So for me, it's more about this unit, this 2023 version of the dogs coming out and making their own statement as opposed to separating themselves from the previous two teams. Yeah. And so I still treat the first half like a preseason game just because we haven't really, I haven't seen practice, which I know they've had scrimmages and stuff, but until you really get things moving, I think the second half then is a better idea. All right, Allison, here we go. I need your opinion on something. This okay. was a big point of contention on Dukes and Bell yesterday. I have, I have a first date coming up this coming oh, Tuesday. Boy. And the debate is, do I go fancy or do I go casual? What say you? Ooh. Well, I guess, is this like a dinner? Is this a coffee? Is this a, like a drink? Like, if this is a first date, my rule of thumb is, you do something like quick, like an hour tops, like coffee or a drink. You don't lock yourself into anything, just from personal experience. So you do a nice glass of wine, or go to a brewery, or coffee. Don't like, don't do a sit-down dinner or anything like that yet. I would, I would do something casual, uh, and, and then if it's worth, you know, extending, you know, seeing them again, then then make it fancy. See, that's what I was saying, and then Carl Dukes and John Fricky, who was filling in for Mike Bell yesterday, were ridiculing me, and I said, no, sir. Yeah, this is 2023. The exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. This is 2023. <laughs> this is we're dating app. It. We're living it. This so is dating app culture, Allison. You have to do yep. things a certain way. You have to 
present the vibe in a certain way. And in order to be successful, sometimes if you do too much, it does, it backfires. It blows up in your face. And then guess what? Yeah, you don't want to be a stage five clinger. You need to come out cool. So. And then at the end of the night, I'm stuck with the dang check. And that's not what I want to have happen. I want to have a smooth yeah. time and a good time. But you're paying, right? Whatever you're doing, you're paying. I always, I always pay. But okay, if it's good. but good. if it's something where, like you said, if I go all in and we're going out for you know some steaks and some nice bottles of wine and we start the bill is in the hundreds and then we don't have a good time, that's that's a lot of investment yes. for one date. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, so I had to get your judgment call on that. I'm glad we're on the same page, and I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you were able to settle this great debate for me. I'm going to come back on Tuesday and shove it in Carl Duke and Mike Bell's face. <laughs> yeah. Have fun. Good luck with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that is a superstar. Good morning, America star. Allison Mastrangelo live from Between the Hedges setting the scene for us. Bulldogs and UT Martin. Thanks as always, Allison. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right. We are coming back. And when we do, we got to talk more about the dogs because this is this is a big game for a lot of reasons. It's a big game, like I said, because we are setting the tone and setting the culture for the new era of Georgia football. This is something that hasn't been done before. This is not like the previous two teams, quarterback in place, a lot of defensive holdovers. This is kind of like a brand-new team in a lot of ways. Who's going to show up as the defensive leader? Is Carson Beck ready to be the man? Is he ready to be QB1? Obviously, a lot of those things aren't going to be tested right away in the first couple of weeks, but it's still a good measuring stick to say, hey, yes, we're doing what we're supposed to do. If these games don't look right, it's going to be very noticeable. Because the score should be lopsided. That's why I asked Allison if she had to pick, you know, over under 28 points for the Bulldogs to win this game by. I think I'd have to go over two. You should win by that much. The defense should presumably throw a shutout. And then if Carson Beck is ready to take the place of Stetson Bennett, he should be slinging it. So that's my opinion on that. We'll also let you hear from Seth Emerson and Danny Cannell, who are on the radio station this week, giving their thoughts on what the dogs can do. Don't go anywhere. More dog talk coming up before kickoff at the top of the hour. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Odyssey app. Back with you here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. That's all right, E. I do want to bring you in before we get to some sound from uh, Seth Emerson and Danny Cannell here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. What did you think of Allison's comments, by the way? So she says, for my date on Tuesday, I need to keep it casual and also keep the date length on the shorter side, which I didn't even consider, to be honest with you. You're a fellow single man out in this great city of ours. What's your strategy? All right, so I have a two-part strategy. Oh, okay. Now, mm, I hope nobody's listening that I maybe uh, have dated before. Only you know a 100,000-watt radio station. No big deal. feeling of whether or not, ooh, I'm really impressed or, ooh, I'm just lukewarm impressed. The higher you are impressed, the more you go for the Big Bang. If it's lukewarm, now, people grow on you. Not everybody you meet the first time, he's like, oh, I know this is the one. But if you got that feeling, that gut, like, oh, this was one I got to impress, go for it. Go go for the homer. If it's like, mm, let's just test the waters, go for that quick casual one. All right. You know, because it's 2023, man, and a lot of people have a lot of expectations, and frankly, I don't like it. I think it's a little – I think sometimes a little bit – too much is expected on a first date these days because it's just a first date. Like you said, I don't know you from a hole in the wall yet. So if there's a vibe, I have no problem shelling out and taking care of you and spending money. But if we can't have a good conversation over 
a beer or a coffee or a glass of wine, then what's the point? That That's what I'm saying. But the, I know there are some women out there who feel like, you know, if I'm going to take the time to get dressed up and put my makeup on and do everything I need to do to come out and meet you, I want it to be worth my while. But I don't know, man. I'm kind of I'm kind of. Right, I'm, I'm going to give you another pointer, though, Chris. You got to take some of these fringe Odyssey benefits and use them to your advantage. You know, get yourself some of these comps around here. Use those to your advantage. Oh, you mean take them, the- like take them to a United game or a Falcon game or a, okay, you know, it's not a bad strategy. Uh, I, I, you know, that's a, I don't think I've ever done a game for a first date. That would be an interesting experience. Hey, I, man, I don't, with, with, with some free tickets and you know, some, you yeah. know luxuries. You know what? Oh, yeah, you want a beard? You know what? On the house. Yeah, you know what? You want to sit in this uh, lower bowl section? I got you. I got you. know, It's not a bad idea. Maybe that's something I'll consider. But for Tuesday, I think I'm going to keep it low-key, and hopefully we have a good time, and then and then we'll see what happens from there. Then I can shell out the cash. If you guys have an opinion, let me know. 404-726-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. Or hit me up on Twitter at C Thomas Radio. Should I keep it casual or should I pull out the big stop for my first date coming up on Tuesday? All right. The dogs have a first date coming up in about uh, 40 minutes from now when they take on UT Martin at home. And they should win this game by a landslide. Dukes and Bell had on College Football Insider for the Dogs, Seth Emerson, earlier this week. He was talking about a bunch of things. One of the things I also asked Allison about was the state of the running back room heading into this game. He should be if their first two opponents weren't UT Martin and Ball State. Hmm. Uh, And, you know, even getting – I'm trying not to lump South Carolina in every time with – UAB and these other two teams that I just mentioned for the first month of the season because we, we kind of look past South Carolina and we, we lump them in with them. And I, I've, I've said, and I wrote yesterday that Auburn in week five for Georgia may be their, on paper, their second hardest game after the trip to Tennessee. But, you know, I, the fact of the matter is if, if you're going to have these injuries, this is the now the time to have them. Uh, and I, I think they're going to be fine at running back if they don't have another major injury or two, which you know, running back is, is a position that you unfortunately do have those. But, um, you know, they've, they've got the, – they, they like what they've got in those two guys, Andrew Paul, who's coming off an ACL, even though he's healthy now. Um, you have to kind of say that. And then the other one is Roderick Robinson, uh, who's a true freshman. But Kendall Milton and – John Edwards are supposed to be practicing this week. And if they don't play on Saturday, it'll be because of who the opponent is uh, in, in preserving them. But if, if they were opening up against Oregon or Clemson, I'm, I'm certain they would be playing. So Seth is obviously right there. My concern is obviously not for this game or the next game or the game after that. It's about the length of the season. And do they have enough? It's basically going to be a one-two punch now between – Dijon Edwards and Kendall Milton. And if Kendall Milton can be the back that we all know that he is the capability to be, I'm not worried. But we all know he gets bitten by the injury bug, and there's been some inconsistency there. So is Dijon Edwards the type of back that could, you know, lead the charge and be an every down back if he needs to be? I'm not sure. I think he can. We saw a lot of good things from him last season, but. 
Branson Robinson was going to be a guy that was going to come in there and carry some load for them. He's a big, powerful back. He was going to be a goal line guy. He was going to be somebody that could do a lot of damage. And I don't know if the depth is there necessarily that they've had in years past. Now, with Carson Beck being more of an offensive-minded guy than maybe you thought Stetson Bennett was at times in terms of throwing it all over the field and making big plays, maybe that doesn't matter as much this year. But I'm going to have to wait until they play an opponent that could actually challenge them against their stout offensive line in order to see that. So that'll be, you know, maybe week four, week five of the season. All right, the elephant in the room, Carson Beck. What does Seth think about the guy who's taken over for the guy that won them two national championships? Yeah, we just don't know about him until he gets into some real games where the games are are really in doubt. Uh, he he's talked about how over the last couple of years he's matured a lot. He's worked on the mental part of the game, and you just kind of have to hope if you're a Georgia fan that that is borne out for when you do get in some games that are crunch time. And look, that's going to happen at some point unless Georgia rolls through 15 games this year without it ever being close. Uh, but uh, look, is Carson Beck going to be go out, be able to go out there and get you, you know, a baseline of 10 wins this year? Yeah, he's, he's going to be able to do that, especially with everyone else around him. But it's when things get in crunch time. It's when you have a close game, when you have – a Missouri-like game from from last year, uh, and that's not even could the quarterback get you back in the game through his arm. It's the the mastery of the offense, the command of the offense, the command of the plays, and then it's the games like obviously Ohio State last year, where Stetson Bennett willed that team back in the fourth quarter. Um, Stetson Bennett was not a perfect quarterback for Georgia over the last two years, but. In the fourth quarter of the national championship game against Alabama, he was great. In the fourth quarter and much of the third quarter of the Ohio State game last year, he was great. And the the question about Carson Beck is just going to be whether he has that clutch gene the way that Stetson Bennett did. And and we're not going to know that until he's put in that situation. So I think the obvious thing here is that I don't think anyone believes – Carson Beck is going to put on a Georgia uniform and just fall flat on his face, and the whole thing is going to be an unmitigated disaster. I don't think anybody's thinking that's going to happen, and I think you'd be naive and foolish to think that that's going to happen. My only concern about Carson Beck is we're going to have to see what happens when things aren't perfect, when the offensive line is faltering in a game, or if the running back room that we just talked about, what type of quarterback is he going to be? Is he going to hang tough back there in the pocket, take a couple of hits when he needs to and deliver on a big play? Is he going to be able to scramble a little bit? I think we give Stetson Bennett, you know, he didn't get enough credit for how good he was outside of the pocket. What type of guy is Carson Beck going to be when it comes time to make a move with his feet? I don't think that's going to be required much, but those are the sorts of things that are going to be the question marks for, question marks for him in terms of the season. And again, with the way that the schedule starts, it's not something we're going to be able to really get an answer to at least maybe a month, maybe even longer into the season. But I don't project there being an issue until that point. couple more here. How about the secondary? There's a lot of talent in the UGA secondary. you got guys like Smile Mundin, Kamari Lassiter, Javon Bullard, Malachi Starks. The list goes on and on and on. A lot of big names and a lot of guys with some experience. There's a lot of sophomores and juniors that are going to be on this team making up the secondary, and Seth Emerson talked about it. It'll be interesting to watch Bullard because he's 
you're taking a guy who was defensive MVP of both playoff games last year at one position, and you're moving him positions, but you're putting him where he's going to play more. The, the nickelback is basically a starting position now in college football and at Georgia, but there are still some plays where they come off. Um, and this way, Butler's on the field every time because as much as Georgia rotates on defense in general, they don't rotate those two safety spots and those two cornerback spots, and, and they never have. You, you want your best 11 on the field for every play as much as possible, and, and he's not only one of their best 11, he's one of their best three or four defensive players. Um, but what you have then is you have experience. Like Tyke Smith, when he transferred here two years ago, people thought he was going to be the, the star right away, and it just didn't happen. But now you're talking about a guy who's a fifth-year senior who hasn't played much the last two years, but he played a lot before that at West Virginia. So it's a pretty good secondary that should buy some time for the cornerback, the inexperienced cornerback, who at, at the outset looks like will be Julian Humphrey, um, some time to – to you know, learn the ropes, and so I, you know, I, look, it, it's it's college football in 2023, and in this era, that secondary is going to give up some passes. They're going to give up some plays. Uh, it's just the way things are. But it, it looks on paper like a defense, a secondary that can be pretty good, relatively good. Yeah, I mean, I agree with his evaluation there. Like I said, most most of the secondary is comprised of guys who've been there, done that before, in varying degrees and in varying big game moments. He mentioned uh, mentioned uh, Javon Bullard there. He obviously knows what it takes to play in a big game. There are some holes, and there will be on every team. Listen, you can't you can't keep losing six, seven, eight guys to the NFL on your unit and expect to be the same quality every single year. Will it be okay if the Georgia defense is not historic like it has been the past couple of seasons? I think they'll be just fine because I think the offense is going to be able to pick up the slack if there's a game where the defense isn't playing absolutely perfect and giving up 7 to 10 points a game. Now, how about the SEC quarterbacks? This is something we have been talking about a lot on the show today. I think there's a lot of talent in the quarterback room in the SEC, and where Carson Beck ranks among them could vary to a lot of degree depending on how he shows out in the first couple of games. You know, look, Georgia could end up having the best quarterback in the SEC by the end of the year, mm-hmm. or it could end up having the seventh or eighth best quarterback. There, there's just so many, there's so many variables. Um, I mean, yeah, I would not – if I'm Georgia, I'm definitely not trading my quarterback situation with Alabama's right now. It, right. it reminds me too much of what Mark Richt and Brian Schottenheimer felt they had to do in 2015 by going and getting Grayson Lambert after spring practice, mm-hmm. being a reflection of, oh, we're not very happy with what we saw in spring practice. Um, and now I don't think Tyler Buckner is going to end up being the starter for Alabama, at least mm-hmm. to start the year. So maybe that had the desired effect of getting Jalen Milrow and or Ty Simpson to increase their, you know, you know. but I, I honestly, if they needed the kick in the butt at that point, I don't know if that's a good sign anyway. No, I, Jaden Daniels, uh, Spencer Rattler, KJ Jefferson, uh, Arkansas. Will, yeah. yeah KJ Jefferson is probably the second best um, Joe Milton. Um, and, you know, people forget it. Well, we're, we're Rogers at Mississippi state. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but yeah, you, if you're Georgia, you're not trading your quarterback situation for Alabama's or Florida's or Auburn's 
uh, you know, those type of teams. Also, watch out for Devin Leary at Kentucky. All right, one more piece of sound I want you to hear before we get out of here and give E a chance to shine a little bit before he ducks out and Dom C comes in for the producer shift change at 6 o'clock. Also the start of the Georgia game as well. How about Danny Cannell talking about just how historic this three-peat would be? Because we haven't seen this done since the 1930s. That's, I mean, that really is probably the biggest reason why is people look at history. It's usually a pretty good indicator of, you know, future results. And it has never been done by some great teams, by some great dynasties. But it's just really hard to maintain that level of success when you're, that target is on your back. You've got to maintain that focus and intensity. And as much as Kirby Smart and probably Nolan Smith more than anybody was able to fool that team into thinking people thought they were a 7-5 and five team, I, it's going to be really tough to get them bought in. But maybe the edge they need is everybody doubting them and everybody picking Alabama to win the SEC. I think Georgia wins the SEC again. I don't have them winning the championship because of the quarterback. And I think there's a chance that maybe we all miss Stetson Bennett way more than we think we would have. And when I say we, I mean Georgia fans, I mean college football analysts. He, you know, I was talking earlier about hidden yardage. He had such a knack for making plays when there was nothing there and making plays when you needed to have them. When you needed a big throw, he came up big. When you needed a first down, he came up big. And without knowing what Carson Beck, really what his makeup is yet, I think you're going to see a different looking offense. Clearly with Mike Bobo taking over the system, you're going to see a different looking uh, offense. So I think it'll put more pressure on Carson Beck. Brock Bowers, I think people are going to try to contain him. Somebody at the receiver needs to step up. But the reason I've got him winning it is because of the schedule. You mentioned it is an absolute cakewalk for the Georgia Bulldogs to get back to Atlanta to play for another SEC championship. But I think the lack of competition throughout the year actually hurts them when they have to play meaningful games down the stretch. So I have him winning the SEC again, but coming up short in the playoffs. And that is exactly where we've begun the show today. What is the easier path, the Falcons to win a playoff game or UGA to three-peat? That is something we're going to dive back into later on in the show. But coming up next, five Falcons true-false questions with our guy, super producer Eric Slaughter. We're going to give him a speaking part before he ducks out to enjoy the rest of his Saturday evening. Don't go anywhere. That's coming up next. Sports Radio, 99 The Game, Odyssey app. Back with you here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is the other side of the glass with Chris Thomas keeping you company until 8 p.m. this evening. Atlanta United pregame comes your way then. They have a big old matchup in Dallas. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous about it. They've been really good their past couple of games, and then they were not so hot in their final game at Mercedes-Benz on Wednesday before they headed out to Dallas, um, this is a big one. And this is one that I think is going to show sort of the direction that this club could take as they head towards the home stretch of the season. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Mike Conti, Jason Longshore, of course, have the call coming your way. Kick is at 8.30 right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. But before we get to all of that, E, we got to answer some questions, baby. Bless indeed, Eli. I believe we have a little sounder. How about we hit that real quick? Let's do it. It's time for five true or false questions on the other side of the glass. Which teams in the ATL will thrive? Which teams will make you scratch your head? On Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Now, before you get into your questions, let me take you guys behind the scenes here. I just did such a stupid thing. So, in the control room here, 
we have a bunch of monitors, and I can choose what I want my headphones to be plugged into. Now, there was a piece of audio from a post game from Deion Sanders that I wanted to hear during the commercial break. So I switched over to the button that says PC audio so I can listen to the, to the sound coming out of the computer instead of the sound that's coming out over your airwaves. And then I did that and I listened to it for, to talk about later on in the show. Well, I forgot to hit it back to the studio audio. So we come back from break. And I can't hear anything in my headphones for the first, like, 90 seconds that I'm talking. And I'm like, oh, crap. I'm going to have to do this entire segment with broken headphones and wing it, and I'm barely going to be able to hear E. And then I look over, and I see that the stupid PC audio button is still switched, and I never hit it back. So now I hit it. I hear everything perfectly fine, and we're good to go. But I just had a real dumb moment. I think you've been way too hard on yourself. How many times have uh, one of the hosts been talking with an off mic or doing I mean, that's the human error, man. You're cool. Don't worry about it. Pride myself on being a professional. (laughs) Dang it. All right. What do we got? All right. True or false. Let's keep right on the line of some things you've been talking about already. So true or false. Desmond Ritter is a bigger unknown for the Falcons than Carson Beck is for the Bulldogs. Ooh, I'm going to say false. Just because we did get a little bit of a sample size last season in four games, and we got, we did get that one drive in the preseason. We got that <clears throat> one drive in the preseason, and does look pretty good. Um, everything you hear from coach and from his teammates is that he's a true leader, he's ready to go. Yada, 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 all the superlatives that you need to hear from a guy who's taking over as the starting quarterback for your franchise. Carson Beck, he's more of a he's more of a mystery to me. I, I don't know what we're gonna see during this game coming up. They should win comfortably by 30 or more points, but if he puts up 20, am I gonna be utterly shocked and am I gonna fall out of my chair? No, because you gotta prove it. I mean, this is still, you know, big-time college football, baby. This is not, you know, high school ball where you walk onto the field and you can just be better than people. This is, you know, even though UT Martin, they're going to blow them out, it's not they're, – they're putting guys on the field too. So Carson Beck, for me, is the bigger question mark. I think he'll I, – I know he'll be fine. I know it. But I got to see it. All right, rolling along on this version of true or false. So, you know, you've been asking this question to the callers here of the radio as one of the lines light up right now. But um, so, college football championship games, January 8th, 2024. The Falcons' last regular season game in New Orleans, January 7th, 2024. So, true or false, the Falcons will play a game at a later date than the Bulldogs. Ooh, good question. And, again, you're right, that's – that's basically how we set up today's show, and the question was, what's more likely to happen? The Georgia Bulldogs get the three-peat or the Falcons win a playoff game? They don't and have to win it, in my question. They just got to play in a game. Play in a game later well, than the Dogs. In that case, I'm going to say true. The Falcons will play in a game later than the Dogs because I think, again, they're going to win a playoff game this season. So it's not going to be easy. But with the division and everything that we laid out in that first segment, I'm not a buyer of the NFC South teams. The Saints, to me, they're being anointed as the division winner by every pundit that you hear, and I don't buy them. Again, show me. Show me that Derek Carr is a playoff-caliber quarterback. Show me that Dennis Allen could be a good head coach. Show me all of these things. I think what Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot are building here is special. 
And this is the first season that you may not be able to see everything of their vision. It may come into fold finally next year. But this year you're going to see a lot of special things. I truly believe that. And I think that's going to propel the Falcons to a division of division title, and then they're going to win a playoff game. So happily and humbly, I will say true. All right. Hey, I got one for you. This is a statistic-based one. True or false? Okay. Desmond Ritter will have more TD passes than Young Way Koo has made field goals. Oof. Uh, to give you give you some heads, yeah. Young Way Koo had 33 made field goals in 2023. So times three is – not, uh, not points, just ma- his made field goals. Just ma- oh, so yeah. you so you're asking if Desmond Ritter is going to have 34 touchdowns this season? Well, I mean, hopefully, if Desmond has a good amount of touchdown passes, Young Way Cools made field goals. Many field, yeah. Okay, so it'll be less than that. Okay, um, hmm. I'm going to say true. I hope so, because that's one thing. That's one area e that they really do need to get better in is their red zone. Um, and they have the horses this year. I mean, look, think of all the red zone options you have. Tyler Algier, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Jonu Smith, Drake London, and Mac Hollins. Those are your starters. Yeah. And now you got a six foot seven John Fitzpatrick that might You got John Fitzpatrick. You got you got a five foot seven Scotty Miller who can squeeze and weave his way into those holes like he did for Tom Brady back in Tampa. I mean, yeah, he should. I th- I think Desmond Ritter needs to throw, I've said this before, between 23 and 27 touchdowns. Okay. That, for me, would be a stellar season for him. I agree with you. Because that means that you're throwing enough touchdowns to have an aerial assault, but that's also not Patrick Mahomes-type numbers where that's all you need to do. That means the running game, which is what Arthur Smith obviously wants, is doing their part as well. So I'm going to say true – Give Young Way some rest. Keep him on the sidelines. Have him doing his ball tricks and whatever he does out there. And hopefully, we only need him in a few clutch situations. Yeah, I think if you get to twenty-seven TDs out of Ritter, Young Way's probably coming in at twenty-four or twenty-five made field goals. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, so, if Ritter gets to twenty-seven TDs, true or false, the Falcons will have two thousand-yard receivers in twenty twenty-three. Uh, do you count Kyle Pitts as a receiver in this example? Anybody that catches the ball. Okay. Uh, anybody uh, catches the ball. All right. I didn't say wide receivers. Yeah. I said receivers. Uh, yeah, it should be true. It should be true. It should be Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And that's, and honestly, that should kind of be a no-brainer in my opinion. If, if they don't have at least around that, it may not be a thousand round number. I think there's a problem. I think that means that Kyle Pitts... Um, is not healthy or he's not the guy that we saw in year one and the injury took a bigger toll on him than we all thought. But if he's the guy that we think he is, that should be money. That You should be able to cash that ticket right now. And Drake London, the same thing. Drake London, even more so because of what we saw with him and, uh, and Desmond Ritter last year. That's obviously his go-to guy. We saw that in the four games at the end of the season that he started. And he had almost a thousand yards in just a couple of in just a couple of games with Desmond Ritter. Um, I think he finished with around like you could double check this for me, but like 800 or something like that. He was close to a thousand yards by the end of the season last year. So if he gets a full 17 weeks with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, and then you get a full healthy Kyle Pitts, I think they both should have a thousand easy. 
Yeah, I agree with you, and I'm hoping with you, and I'll get Drake's final numbers after you uh, answer this last one. So, true or false, last one of this week's edition of Falcons True False. I'm going to give you these names real quick. Okay. And you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Carolina, Green Bay, Houston, Washington, Minnesota, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Indianapolis. The Falcons' home opponents in 2023. So, true or false, the Falcons win six games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Ooh. Uh, read those names to me one more time. Carolina, Green Bay, win, win. Houston, win. Washington, win. Minnesota, loss. New Orleans, win. Tampa Bay, win. Indianapolis, win. You counted seven, player. That's right. That's how about that? Seven home wins. You hear that, Falcons fans? You better get some tickets. You guys better show out to these games. Because a big part of that is going to be the home field advantage. So I want to see you guys out there at Mercedes-Benz. I'll be there. Dukes will be there. Bell will be there. You know the whole crew is going to show out, and we're going to show out big. Because I think this is going to be a special season for the Atlanta Falcons. They are better than all of those teams. The only reason I'm giving them a loss to Minnesota is because you can't be perfect. You're not going to win every single game at home. So Minnesota won 13 games last year. They're arguably the best team in their division with the Lions this year. So I think that'll be a tough one, and they do lose. But, again, I think we're better than the Saints. That That's really going to be my sticking point here because the Saints are just, again, they're being anointed, like, automatically the winner by, by so many people that I've read articles from, podcasts, TV, and I'm just not buying it. I, just, I don't think that they're overly talented. They have some good pieces on offense, but you're selling me Derek Carr and what? What has he done? I just – I don't know. I got to see it to believe it with them. So give me one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven wins. I like it. I like it. And to answer your question, uh, Drake London finished with 72 receptions, 866 yards in his rookie season. So he was right there. You yeah. had put him yeah. with. And, put that, him and that was with 12 games with Noodle. Uh, the to take John for quitter. Noodle Hall quitter. Yeah. <laughs> so you, get, you give him one or two more games with Ritter last season, he is over 1,000 yards. Perfect. All right, great job, E. We got the producer shift change coming up. My buddy, Dom C, taking over for Eric. Good job, E, as always. We'll get into a sound check. There's a lot going on in the NFL outside of our Atlanta Falcons. We're going to hear from Dak Prescott. Oh, boy, they got themselves some drama brewing in Dallas. You hear that? And a bunch more. We are halfway home on the other side of the glass. Sports Radio, 99 The Game, Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 